Chapter 8 of George Washington. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. George Washington by Ferdinand Schmidt. Translated by George P. Upton. A Trial of Arms. The best men in England had appealed to the sense of justice and fairness of the government and of Parliament without effect. The colony of Massachusetts was placed under military rule. The order was given to seize the military stores in the colonies, and the beginning was made in Boston. At this a cry of indignation resounded throughout the country. It was no longer possible not to perceive that tyranny was determined to set its foot on the necks of the American people. Patriots assembled ready to give their lives for the preservation of their rights. The abolition of a second armory at Concord led to a conflict. The British were eight hundred strong, the Americans but eighty. When the British had accomplished their purpose, they began their march back to Boston, but this retreat proved calamitous. They were surrounded by the Americans, who had received reinforcements and who continually attacked them. Their loss was frightful, and not one of the eight hundred would have reached Boston had not the British general sent out a troop of one thousand men to meet them. The Americans had not been able to save their stores at Concord, but this success was a great encouragement to them. They had fought against picked and well-disciplined troops, while they were only an untrained band of citizens and farmers, armed with any kind of weapon that came to hand. They were good hunters, and knew well how to make use of each tree and ridge and stone wall for a shelter, from behind which to fire, a mode of fighting, sharpshooting, which later was used by all armies. The cry, To arms! was now heard from hamlet to hamlet, from village to village, and from town to town. Whoever had the freedom of his country at heart, and a just hatred of tyranny, took his musket from the wall girded on his sword, and bade his dear ones farewell. These plain people, ready to assemble at a moment's notice, the Minutemen, did not stop to don uniforms, but wore a simple blouse over their clothes. The well-to-do wore their powdered wigs. Shortly before this, the British soldiers had made fun of the blouses and wigs. But after the disastrous retreat from Concord to Boston, all their waggery deserted them. From all sides, the Americans began their march on Boston, which was in the hands of the enemy. The city was soon surrounded on the land side by 15,000 Americans. Their first duty was to observe the enemy and not to allow them to enter the country. The situation was hard on the citizens, who were under the eyes of the British and could not make a move. The British general, Gage, fearing that the inhabitants might embrace some favorable opportunity to rise against him, promised to allow them to join their comrades and marched out of the city if they would leave their arms behind. They delivered up their weapons, whereupon he broke his word and detained them as hostages. To the joy of the British and the despair of the Americans, English ships appeared one day in the harbor. They brought reinforcements of 4,000 men under General Howe an arrogant man, who believed that it would be the easiest thing in the world to disperse the Americans. 
he had been made commander-in-chief of the British Army in the colonies. What he now heard on landing in Boston, of the retreat of the British from Concord, must have somewhat shaken his feeling of security. For he did not, in accordance with his boastful words, proceed immediately to attack the besieging American troops. Instead, the first move was made by them. In a single night, they had thrown up entrenchments close to the city. To take these, General Howe sent out the whole British force against the enemy. Both sides fought desperately. The American riflemen had twice repulsed the British, and would probably have met further attacks successfully, had not their ammunition given out. Thus the brave men were obliged to retreat after the third assault, but they retired in good order, leaving the enemy too exhausted to think of pursuing them. The British held the battlefield, but how brilliantly the untrained defenders of liberty had met the well-disciplined and picked troops of the enemy, led by their experienced generals. The loss of the Americans was but 453, while the British had lost 1054 men. I have never heard of such slaughter within so short a time, said General Howe. This was the Battle of Bunker Hill, and the Americans who fell there richly merited the monument which was afterward erected on this spot to their memories. Everyone felt that troops inspired with such a spirit would know how to defend the liberties of their country. When Washington heard of the battle, he cried with profound emotion, The freedom of the country is assured. The entrenchments were in the possession of the British, but the battle had not raised the siege of Boston. End of chapter 8